Well, let me remind you, as I remind myself, of the journey that we've made uh, through Advent to this fourth candle day. It was fun watching. It was fun watching you scramble up there, Margaret. It's quite all right. This is, this is a... This is a welcoming community for children. We want more children. Come on, y'all. Let's have some more. <laughs> Keep them coming. Keep them coming. Yeah, on the first Sunday of Advent of the four, today being the fourth, we were reminded, as we need to be, no matter how long we've been followers of Christ, no matter how long we've been believing people, we need to be reminded at least once a year. Many of us need it more often than that that time is fleeting, that it will, be, it will be the twinkling of an eye before the life that God has given us is over. And that while we are alive is when we are to respond to God's gracious and wonderful offer. We are to be constantly aware that we need to put away some things. There are things in all of our lives that we just need to be done with. We need to be done with it. And that first Sunday reminds us of that, to put away the works of darkness. Whatever could not be happily revealed on the great day, we need to get rid of it while we're alive. Because when this life ends, the chance to do anything about it is over. So we're reminded of that. And then the second Sunday in Advent, we're reminded that the only way we can know the difference between what we should put away... And what we should take on is if we know God's will for our lives. And the only way to know God's will for our lives is to become familiar with what God has said in the Scriptures. So the Holy, Spirit, Holy Scriptures are the guide for us if we desire what we prayed on the first Sunday to actually come to pass. And that's why on that second Sunday we, we say we want to read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest. Learn to live the will of God revealed to us in the Word of God. And then the third Sunday in Advent, we are always asked to pray that God will raise up faithful ministers for His church, for His people. We all need help. And one of the key ways that God provides help to us is He raises up those who are to dedicate their lives to the Word of God who are to dedicate their lives to the people of God and the care and shepherding of God's people, helping them to obey God. And then we come today to the fourth. And on the fourth, in case anybody wanted a reminder, almost all of us will know that whatever we resolved on the first Sunday in Advent, we haven't done that great. <laughs> so even after just four weeks, we realize, Lord, if we're going to do this, if we're going to do this, you have to come and help us. You have to stir us up. You have to pour out your grace upon us. You have to give us the Holy Spirit because we are frail and we are weak. And even when we decide we want to serve you and even when we decide we want to yield to you and even when we decide we want to discipline our lives and bring them into conformity with your will, if you don't help us, we can't do it. And so that's what we pray on the fourth Sunday. Now also, always on the fourth Sunday, for centuries, we have the story from Matthew, the beginning of the, of, of the narrative of, of the Lord's birth, and then through the rest of that gospel, 
the ministry of our Lord Jesus. But on this fourth Sunday, we hear from the first chapter of Matthew, verses 18 to 25. The beginning of the story starts for us now. And I think you'll all bear witness with me, and I hope that the women in the room will give, give me some slack today, that overwhelmingly Christmas is kind of a lady thing. A, a good father, a good husband in this room right now is putting up. You don't have to say it's true. I'm just telling it's true. Is putting up with a lot of stuff for a season, and inside he's going, when is the season going to be over? I think I thanked 67 people last week for all the work they did uh, at the Nativity. Do you want to guess how many men were in the 67? So I hear five, do I have ten, do I have ten, five, five, five. I think think in total there were nine. Nine men, 67 people. Christmas overwhelmingly has come to be in our our culture, in our age, maybe maybe this is true for a long time, overwhelmingly focused on the feminine. It's, It's a time that... Women come to the fore, it's a time when children come to the fore. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. It's a beautiful part of the story. But what can happen, and often does happen, is the rest of the story is forgotten. And a piece of that story is Joseph. And so I want to ask the women to give me slack today, and I want to preach to the men. I want to preach to the men that I can see sitting out here. I'm looking for the men. All right, there's a man, there's a man. I'm looking for you guys. And this sermon is for guys, okay? And, and women, try not to poke your men. Just, 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 just pray lovingly and quietly. Yeah, I want us to look at Joseph. In the history of the church, we call the, the Joseph, Mary, and the baby Jesus the Holy Family. The Holy Family. And Joseph is not in the forefront. And yet, if you paid attention to today's reading from Matthew, you recognize Joseph gets mentioned over and over and over. Mary's mentioned once by name. She's mentioned as his wife. But she's only mentioned by name once in this reading. But Joseph comes up, boom. Joseph comes up, boom. Joseph comes up, boom. Joseph comes up, boom. Would any of us disagree that Mary was very special? None of us would disagree that Mary had to be uniquely, gloriously, wondrously special to be chosen by God to be the mother of God's own son when he came into this world. But I want to suggest to you, Joseph also had to be extraordinarily special, just like Mary And so, men, I want you to think about Joseph today. I want you to think about Joseph. And I want you to pray about Joseph, okay? What did we hear? What do we know? Well, we don't know a great deal, but we know a good bit if you you stop and think about it. We know, one, that he was, some of you have learned this through other parts of the church's ministry in in the last few months, particularly as teaching in Genesis has been at the center of some of that. He was a son of David. That means that he was a descendant of David, 
the king, the royal king. He came of royalty. He had a unique and wondrous heritage as a descendant of the great king, David, the model king, the king who began to be the symbol of the coming king. So he, he had an extraordinary birth, and he had a birthright. Now, in this culture, which I love, I believe of, they don't give a certificate, but if they gave a certificate, I would apply for one. I'm an adopted son of South Carolina. I'm coming up to the 28th, the beginning of my 28th year of, 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 of living here. And I love the heritage of the state. And I love how many families keep alive the memory of their ancestors in the state. It's quite unusual, the extent of that. I love that. Joseph was a descendant of the great king. And God's word says that David, the king, had a heart after God's own heart. And I dare to suggest to you that so did Joseph. That Joseph had a heart after God's heart. We know that Joseph was the husband. You heard that word if you were listening. The husband of Mary, even though they had not yet become one flesh. In that culture, to become betrothed, once a man and woman were betrothed or promised to one another in holy matrimony, the woman was known as the wife and the, husband, or the man was known as the husband, even though the marriage ceremony, which would inaugurate their union in the flesh, had not yet happened. And it was very, very rare, extraordinarily rare, for a betrothal to be broken. And that's still true even in our own day. If someone is engaged to be married, and then that, that, that engagement is broken. It's a big deal still. And that's a remnant of the custom of the Jewish people. It's almost as sacred as the marriage. And yet there were circumstances when that could be broken. And when it appeared that Mary was pregnant, one of those things was violated. And so in order to maintain his heart for God... That marriage had to be broken, or so he thought, until God intervened and said, this is not what you think. And we, we know that he was called by God to father the young child in the sense that he was to raise the child. He was to teach the child. He was to guide the child. He was to instruct the child. He was to be, in all outward ways, the father of the Lord. What a, what a calling. Can I get a nod? The men are all looking scared. <laughs> no, seriously, Mary was wondrously special, but so was Joseph. And later in Matthew's gospel, we will hear when people are kind of going, well, what is this Jesus getting up to? Because now he's a full-grown man and he's begun his public ministry. And some people are kind of irritated by it. And, um, and so one of the things that gets said about him is, isn't it just that carpenter's son? 
Isn't he just the carpenter? So we know that Joseph raised Jesus to work with his hands. He was a carpenter. Now that word to us has a certain connotation, but in the time in which it was first used of Jesus, it probably means what you and I would call a general contractor. It probably means someone who pretty much knew everything you needed to know to build a house or a structure. You had to work in stone, you had to work in wood. And, and those would be the two materials that he would have been most familiar. But he was a real person with real work. And he worked with his hands. And we know all that from this little section. But we can see, if we think about it at all carefully, that there's a whole lot more that we know about him. He was kind. He was courageous. He was protective. He was a provider. He was a man's man. He was a man's man. Now, one more thing the scripture today tells us about him, and it's very important. The scripture says, being a just man and not wanting to put Mary to shame, he resolved to divorce her quietly, to spare her. But what I want to focus on is being a just man. Some of the English versions of the New Testament translate this a different way, and they would say, being a righteous man. I can only assume, I, I do not know, but I can only assume that the English Standard Version, which we use in the New Anglican Church of North America as our normal scripture, um, that they chose the word just because there's a little edge now in the growing anti-Christian culture of America on self-righteousness. And so righteous and self-righteous, and I, I just wonder if they chose to use the word just. But it is a profoundly important word. It is a word in its root, in root form in Greek and the Hebrew word that it would replace if, if you translated from Hebrew to Greek. The word is central to the scriptures from the earliest time to the last. It is one of the most critical words to understand in all the Bible. What does it mean to be just? A just person. A righteous person. A just man or woman. A righteous man. It means to be unafraid to stand in the presence of God. It means not to be perfect, but it does mean to know God and his will and his love and his mercy and his forgiveness to such an extent that your desire is to be what God wants you to be and to do what God wants you to do out of love and gratitude and thanksgiving, not out of fear, but out of love. So when Joseph is described as a just man, one of the most critical definitions or descriptions that could ever be given about anyone is being used for him. 
He wanted God's will done in his life. And to the best of his ability, he was going to obey the word of God because of that great heart desire and awareness of God's love for him. And that's why he's special, because he's showing us men that a man is called to be a man for God. He's called to be a man for God. He's to take his place in the order of God's creation and in the life of God's people and in the life of God's church where only a man can go and when only a man can be. When when danger comes, how's he going to protect them? He's going to take them and flee. He's going to lead them out of Israel and take the child and his mother to a safe place. He's concerned for them. He's giving his life for them. He's laying everything down for them. His whole desire is that he will be found faithful in God's sight for the, for the task he's now been set. You are to be this woman's husband and this child's father. And it makes him very, very special. Very special indeed. But not special in the sense that he's some unimaginable person, only in the sense that he's a man who heard the word of God and wanted to obey it. A man who grew up listening to what God said and deciding that he wanted to live for God. But he didn't want to live for God as some kind of strange, weird person. He was going to live for God as a man with a job and work and a family. And that makes him a model for me as a father. It makes him a model for me as a husband. It makes him a model for me as a man. Not because I have a funny collar on, but because I'm a man. The scripture teaches us that all the problems in the world are because of the rebellion of a man. Eve gets a bum rap. But when God saw that things were going wrong, he called Adam to stand before him. He didn't call Eve. He held Adam responsible. I believe with all my heart the reason so many things are going so wrong in our day is the absence of just men. Men who want what God wants. Men who have heard what God has spoken. Men who know God's love, God's forgiveness, God's goodness and mercy. And who are ready and willing by God's grace. If he will stir them up, as the colic today said, to take their place in the work as he has assigned the work.
we are suffering the absence of that kind of man in every single sphere of our culture. Because that kind of man will stand strong when something false is being said or done. That kind of man will protect the weak and the vulnerable. That kind of man will do whatever he can by God's grace to enable what God wants done to be done, even if it means his life. Even if it means his life. He will not roll over to that which is contrary to God's will. And we desperately need him. We need him in the schools. We need him in the, in the army and the navy and the air force and the marines. We need him in the, in the business world. We need him in every single sphere of human life. Because if the men are not honoring God and doing what God wants done, everything goes to hell. It does, beloved. It doesn't mean men are better than women at all. But men are men and not women. And there are things for them to do that God intends them to do. And if they're not done, everyone suffers. Everyone suffers. Little by little, everyone suffers. It's not about physical strength. It's not about, it's not about anything that would be ordinary at all. It's about faithfulness to God, which of course all of us in this room know is required of all of us, male and female. No one in this room is accepted. But can you imagine the story of the birth of Jesus without a good man? Can you imagine the story if there was no Joseph in the story? Of course you can't. So even though this is one time in, in the year, this one moment, spare a few minutes to thank God for Joseph in the story. And men, I want to ask you from the deepest part of my spirit and soul, I need you, and God needs you in 2022 in a fresh way. There's work to be done in 2022 that only the men in this room can do. I need you to step forward. I believe God wants you to step forward. Beginning in February, we'll have a 10-week course called Better Man. And some of you have heard about this. I've been sharing with it. We've had a number of you go through the, the course in previous years. I think this will be the third year since I first mentioned it here. Um, and it's designed to find and reach out to men in our community who do not know God. To reach out to men in our community who may have not had a good dad, may have not had a dad at all. It's designed to reach out to men who have not got a clue what it might really mean to be the kind of man that God would want a man to be. And so it's a 10-week course to try to reach out to, to those men in our community that we know or have got some relationship with. 
um, to come along with us and discover with us what does it mean to be a better man than you are. My experience so far, I've shared this with some of you men, know this, my experience so far after almost five years of knowing about this little 10-week thing is I've yet to have a conversation with a non-Christian man when I bring up this course and suggest that it might be something he wants to do. I've never had a moment when any of the men I've ever spoken to about this didn't respond positively to this question. Usually, I bring this question to them when they're like, I don't know, I've got my schedule, and, uh, and I just say this. Would you like to be a better man? Would you? Would you like to be a better man? I have never asked that question of a single man who didn't look down with a certain amount of humility. Knowing that he could be a better man. I didn't have to tell him. You don't have to tell me. So at a minimum, men, will you pray that God will bring into the Better Man course that starts in February men of God's choosing who need to learn what it means to be a better man. Would you pray that with me? And would you be willing to pray it for yourself, whether you partake of the course or not, that in 2022, you would like to be a better man as God sees men? And if you say that prayer, ask God's grace to do something about it in 2022, to take some steps, to put some stuff aside, to take on some things, to change some things, Uh, to learn to seek after God's heart, that he could say about you what I believe he could say about Joseph, as he could say about David, there's a man with my own heart. Let's pray. Father, we ask you to graciously and mercifully look upon this, your family, male and female, young and old, rich and poor, of every kind and stripe. But we ask, Lord, that you would uniquely grant favor in the new year to our effort to provide a way to increase the number of faithful men in our community. May the example of St. Joseph, guardian of our Lord Jesus Christ and husband of the Blessed Virgin Mary, May his example inspire us and quicken in us a desire to be what you want us to be. It's in Christ's holy name that we pray. Amen. Amen.